Happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, and I, I'm saying what I'm about to say I'm serious about. Um, if, if Father's Day is a, a tough day for you um, and it's stirring up stuff and you don't know who to talk to about that, A, talk to somebody. B, um, come, come grab me. Would love to talk with you about that because um, the Lord's doing something in you. That's good. And so I want to allow him to do that good work. So um, my name is Matt. I'm the pastor here at Midtown West. Also, if I haven't met you yet and you've got the time, I'd love to meet you after the service. So please, please come find me. At least say, hey, I'm glad y'all are here. So I'm going to pray for us. And we'll get, get going. Father, uh, Lord, I just, um, thinking about the song we just sang and um, we just, Lord, allow us to let our walls down so that you can change us. Um, tonight we're talking about something that is uh, hard and is unnatural in this um, fallen world. And so we pray that your spirit would just overwhelm our, our flesh and that you would be the power that uh, we need, the power that you are, the power that is at work within us to make us more like you, to mature us, to grow us, to free us from uh, this prison of our, our sin and this um, just the, the constant distraction and temptation to... Uh, work against you, to work against life uh, at work in us because of the, the evil one and all of his schemes. And so, Lord, we ask your protection. We ask your, um, your presence with us tonight as we, as we meet, that we would just experience you. And uh, Lord, speak, speak through your word and, um, and just change us. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this weekend, I had the joy of, of going on a little father-son trip with our oldest son, Kess. And uh, on the way, we went to Atlanta. And the way down and back, we listened to the first Harry Potter audiobook, which brought me a lot of joy. Um, as we were driving back today, it was uh, we were talking about the, the Mirror of Erised. And it says, uh, if you're not familiar with the, the story, um, Harry finds this mirror in, in this old room at Hogwarts school, and it's this mirror that if you look into the mirror, uh, it shows you your greatest desires. And it is said, uh, the, there's a, an inscription on the mirror that says, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. And then Dumbledore, who's the head of Hogwarts, says, um, men have wasted away before it, not knowing if what they have seen is real or even possible. And he warns Harry, don't spend your time looking in this mirror because um, you, will, you will waste away. Uh, this is not good for you. It's not good for you to, to be here and, um, and to be driven by these desires. And so uh, what I want to say to us tonight is that we all have a little mirror of Erised that lives within us that we spend time gazing into. Um, and if we're not careful and we don't know where these desires are coming from and we don't take captive these thoughts or these things that we ruminate on and think about and meditate on all the time, um, this, this mirror, uh, the, the way that we think about our desires will undo us. Uh, it, was cause, it will cause destruction and damage to our own hearts. It will cause destruction and damage to our relationships. It will cause destruction and damage to this community. And so... Um, that's where we're going tonight. Um, in James, James 4.1 says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions or your desires are at war within you? And it's this idea that 
that if we're not careful, if we're not taking captive, if we're not asking the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to see what is driving us, because something is driving us all the time. Some, you know, we, don't, we don't just do things. Uh, we may not be aware of what's happening, but we have these internal desires that are driving us and making the decisions we make, putting values on things that we value, deciding which is the greater good, deciding how we're going to interact with people, what we want, and how far we're going to go to get it. And so all of this is happening within us. And, uh, and so tonight, this, this sermon is called The Joy in Losing Your Fight because um, Paul is saying joy doesn't come from having all of your fights won. Joy doesn't come from every time you feel desires and you feel something standing in the way opposing those desires, you getting your way. That is not where joy comes from. In fact, that often leads to more destruction, more heartache, and, and just deeper imprisonment in uh, this body of flesh that the Lord is so graciously freeing us from in Christ. And so Paul's saying, no, 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 the joy is actually in allowing the Holy Spirit to pull you back and give you perspective and to see what the Lord might be doing in you losing your fight. And maybe that's where life is. And so, so here we go uh, with our very long passage. Um, so this first verse, um, Paul s- starts with therefore. And the therefore, there's a whole lot of therefore. It's basically all of chapter three. Um, we keep going back to this. And so we're not gonna spend uh, a lot of time going backwards, but these last two verses of chapter three verse 20 and 21, the therefore here is because Paul is saying, hey, because our citizenship is in heaven, because you have a savior who is coming, because this world is not all that there is, because you have a future that's secure, you have a hope that's secure, because you, have, you were made for another world and you're gonna get to experience that other world and you're gonna get to experience that other world in intimate relationship with your father and with Jesus, your elder brother and king, and that's gonna be forever. So because you don't have to worry about all this stuff and in the ways that you really think you do, um, stand firm in the Lord. His call is to stand firm in the Lord um, because he knows the temptation of the evil one. He knows what's coming. He experiences it too. The temptation is always for us to live like orphans. Because this is not where everything is put right, the evil one always wants to stand in the gap of of what I'm experiencing today and what's gonna be true for all eternity when I fully experience all the benefits of Jesus and his work on the cross. Um, There's this gap that we live in right now. And the evil one loves to work in that gap and say, you don't have everything you need. And it's probably because God doesn't love you. It's probably because God's not paying attention. It's probably because uh, you're not good enough. And, and he just works in all these ways. It's probably because that person next to you. It's probably because that person at work. It's probably because your neighbor or your spouse or the person who you want to be your spouse, but they don't want to be your spouse. It's probably all these other things. And, and you know what? Life is short and you got to go get what's yours. You cannot let any of this stand in your way and you can't wait on God to give it to you. You got to go get it. And that's why Paul is saying, please, he's pleading with these people. And that's what he's been doing throughout this letter is please, please, please do not throw away what you have in the gospel. You have everything you need. You have everything that your heart could ever desire. Please do not throw it away for some temporary rubbish. Please do not throw it away for these empty promises from the evil one. He is always going to be working on you and working on you and working on you. 
It's like in boxing. I mean, he's just, setting, he's just setting up haymakers. He's just jabbing all the time, jabbing, jabbing. If you don't know what he's doing, then you're going to get caught by surprise, and he's going to knock you out. And that's why Paul is so serious about this community. You cannot live this life by yourself. You have to live in community because you've got to have brothers and sisters. We all have to have brothers and sisters around us who are reminding us of what's true. Like, hey, don't bite on that. You think that's where your life is going to be? You think that's where everything's going to get fixed and you're going to never experience any pain or suffering again on this earth? Don't bite that. Don't bite on that. That is bait. He is leading you away from the gospel. So Paul is pleading with these people because of what's true, because of what he's already talked about. I'm pleading with you, don't throw it all away. And we can go back to Genesis 3 and uh, real, real quick here and just see how the evil one works. Um, working on our first parents, working on Eve in the garden. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field. So that means you know you have to watch out for him. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, like sowing seeds of doubt about God's goodness and his love for us? And then he said, no, 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 no. You, you won't surely die. Actually, what's gonna happen is God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. So if, if you just jettison whatever God says and don't even worry about it and just follow your own desires, that's how everything's gonna work out for you because see, God's holding back on you. He's holding out on you and, and you should just follow your truth. You should just follow whatever you want the most and it doesn't matter what you've gotta do to get it. That's how you're gonna experience life. And so then uh, the battle is already lost when Eve just steps out from dependence on God and it says in verse six, so when the woman saw, when she decided for herself, when she just stopped and thought, eh, okay, I'm gonna just push pause on whatever God's saying and I, I'm gonna think about this for myself on my own. And she saw that the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. It was desired to be desired to make one wise. So she, desired, she took it and ate of it. And so we're, we're, we're taking a pit stop here back in Genesis because this is what Paul is speaking against. He's saying, this is what the evil one has been doing from the beginning. Do you not think he is still doing it right now? Yes, he's doing it all the time in all of our lives. And we don't have to be afraid of it because the one who is in us is more powerful than the one who is in the world, but we have to be aware of it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll find ourselves just doing and thinking all sorts of stuff and have no idea where these thoughts that are contrary to the gospel come from. And so this is, this is Paul's call to everybody, is stand firm in the gospel. Keep obeying Jesus. Keep following Jesus no matter what comes across your path. It makes me think about Braveheart or any of those war movies where it's like the enemy is charging and, and like in that particular scene, they've got these spears that they're gonna hold up and like stab the horses and the guys are gonna fall off and everything. But it's like, you, you gotta stay and keep that hidden until right at the last second. So he's like, you, you gotta stand firm. You know, you, you just gotta, you gotta be paying attention. You gotta be engaged in what's going on. And so then we move into verse two. And uh, this is where it gets fun because this letter is to everybody. This letter is to the congregation and it's being read out loud at a service just like this. And so they're like, hey guys, good news. We got Paul's letter and that's the scripture for today. And so we're going along, we're reading this letter. Like, man, he's a great writer. Like, wow, he's a deep thinker. And then all of a sudden you hear your name in the letter. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, hey, Anna and Emily, um, you need to agree in the Lord. And it's like, ooh, okay, this just got personal. Like, I, I was really loving this letter while uh, it was very general. Um, 
Ann and Emily don't need to agree in the Lord. I think they're doing just fine. I was just trying to think of names that I could use there. But he says, you know, I'm pleading with you. These are awesome names, Euodia. And I'm pleading with you, Syntyche, uh, agree in the Lord. I'm begging you, please, because there's, there is something that's going on here that is causing disunity uh, between these women and it's affecting the body. But I love this because here's something that we need to hear. Um, we are all, everybody is on board with God's will for their life until it doesn't jive with my will for my life. And then I jettison God's will for my life and I follow my own will for my life. And then it's revealed that, oh, I've actually had my mind set on earthly things this whole time. And God was just another avenue that I could use to try to get what I wanted. And that's why, you know, just a small plug here for church membership. Because we're all going to experience these feelings. We're all going to th start thinking crazy and be driven by our desires and have our minds set on earthly things. And we're going to all want to run away. And what church membership is, you're going to be hearing more about this later because we actually have a, a membership class coming up in August. But um, church membership is uh, one thing that it is, is it's, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, it's like Dr. Jekyll in his right mind is going to the church and saying, you know what, I have this funny thing in me that turns me into a murdering psychopath. And so what I would really love for you is if you would commit to me uh, when I turn into that murdering psychopath, don't let me destroy myself. And even when I'm trying to murder you to get away from you, please don't let me destroy myself. And then they take vows and say, okay, yeah, we'll do that. That's what church membership is. Is, is we are all raising our hands and saying, I can't trust myself 100% of the time. And actually, when I think I'm most right and I'm most angry at everybody else, that's when it's a, the most dangerous time for me. And I actually need you when I'm kicking and screaming against you, saying, let me go, to not let me go and to hold my arms and bring me back and not let me go. And that's, that's one of the many reasons why church membership matters. And it is, uh, we take these vows. But I love that he is, um, Paul is very specific here. Um, and and it's, it's just so easy for us to generalize away God's truth to where it has no impact on our lives. It's so easy for me to hear a sermon or hear a teaching or, or read scripture and do my own personal Bible study and, and hear all these things and appreciate all these things and maybe even agree with all these things. And then I just go off and my life is, is not transformed in the least. And it's because I'm coming to those things in, in a way that, that does not allow for transformation. Um, nothing is wrong with the means that God's given us to know him. What's wrong is my attitude and posture and coming before him. And so that's why it's really important and so encouraging that Paul gets really specific and personal here. It's like, hey, I'm telling you about these really high-level things because we're gonna apply them to our lives and because it's not really me telling you these things. And this is not me, Matt Avery, telling you these things. This is not Paul telling you these things. This is Jesus, through his word, telling us these things. And he's saying, I'm not telling you these things to just give me a thumbs up and say, yeah, man, that's great. I'm telling you these things because I'm your king now and I'm asking you to obey me. And, I, and when I say live like this, 
I'm asking you to live like this, and I'm asking y'all are going to need help, and I'm asking you to help each other live like this. So, what is he telling these women? He's telling these women, agree in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, we know what it doesn't mean. We, first, first, like, what's going on with this issue? Um, this must not have been a sin issue. Like, the actual thing that was going on must not have been someone sinning against someone else, because otherwise Paul would have very clearly not spoken equally to both of them. He would have talked to the person who was sinning against the other person and said, hey, that's not good, don't do that. Um, and it must not have been a theological issue that was so essential to the truth of the gospel because if it had been, Paul would have no problem saying, hey, uh, you gotta stop teaching that because that is not the gospel. So we, we have no idea what this disagreement was. But we know that the issue was not the underlying disagreement. The threat to the gospel and the threat to this community was how these two women were having this disagreement with each other in the presence of their community. And so this is what Paul's speaking to. And he tells them to agree in the Lord. And that, that phrase, agree in the Lord, is to set your mind. It's to intentionally think in a particular way. So in this case, it's to think about things the way that Jesus does. Um, it's as sons and daughters who are citizens of heaven, who have a future and a hope, uh, it's to think like that. And it's to value the things that Jesus values. Um, and here's the encouraging thing. We can all do this. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us, in the Holy Spirit, in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. He is working in us to help us and transform us to begin more and more to think the thoughts that he thinks and to value the things that he values and to see the world the way that he sees the world. And what does Jesus value? Well, look at verse one of this passage um, and look at the rest of this letter and the rest of scripture. Like he values all of us. He loves us so much. We are his beloved we are his joy. We are his crown. Paul is saying these things because Jesus is saying these things. So he highly values us. He also highly values unity. His, his high priestly prayer, as it's called, John 17, when he's praying to his father before he goes to the cross, he said, please make all of them one, even as you and I are one. I want them to experience the oneness with each other and with us that we have within the Trinity. Like that is deep. That is, a deep. that is a deep oneness. That is about as deep as it gets. And so he values each of us, his people, his, his sons and daughters. He also values um, our unity. What does he not value? What does he not value as much as we might think he does? This is from 1 Corinthians 6, 7. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about how they are taking each other to court and suing each other. And he says this, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Wait, wait, those are my rights. I deserve this. This is important. Paul's saying it's not as important as the gospel. It's not as important as the, the person across the aisle from you in the courtroom. That's your brother. That's your sister. Like Jesus died for you because you're precious and they're precious. And he died for you to have that unity with him and with each other. So if you're going to lose a little money or, or you're going to be put out a little bit, like what is that? Like 
That's nothing compared to what you're giving up to go to court to stand on your rights. It makes me think about uh, the movie Miracle. It's one of my favorite movies. I say that I haven't seen it in a while, so if I watch it again, maybe it's not. But it was at one point. And uh, I love what Kurt Russell says. Like these guys are like these bitter hockey rivalries at these colleges that are like the, the greatest hockey colleges, you know, programs in the, in the world. And they're like bitter rivals. And then they make the U.S. Olympic team. And he's like, hey, all that's gone now because you're on this new team. You're on this, this new team that this affiliation that you have with each other, this bond of this team, it just astronomically outweighs the, the, former, uh, the former team affiliations you had. Like, who cares about the University of Minnesota when you're representing the United States of America? And, and that's what Paul, I mean, that's like what Paul's saying here is like, hey, whatever factions and tribes you had going on before, like, that's gone because you're now all sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And so all that's got to go. And, uh, and so for us, we've got to ask when we find ourselves in the situations where we're experiencing disunity with each other and we've got friction with each other, just to stop and ask these questions, what do I want? What are my desires here that are actively at work in this situation? Um, what am I fighting for? What am I really fighting for? Like, is this worth what's happening? And a lot of us fight by not fighting. So even thinking about that, it's like the Cold War. Um, what, what am I fighting this Cold War over? How is my mind set on earthly things right now? Like, Holy Spirit, would you show me where my mind is set on earthly things, where I'm getting in the way of your will and not thinking the way that you think and valuing what you value? Um, and I want to tell you, this like as I was preparing this passage, the Lord worked on me this week. Um, the church that I came from in Knoxville, there was another staff member on, on staff with me at that church, and we did not see eye to eye on things. And um, I didn't always think and act uh, well and agree in the Lord with that person. And there was just a lot of fear and pride and immaturity in me. And so as I was studying this passage this week, the Holy Spirit convicted me and was like, you need to ask forgiveness from that coworker. And so um, I did, and it was, it was beautiful. I just called, and uh, they were like, hey, like, did not expect to hear from you now that you live in a different city and we don't have to talk. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just told them, I, like, I just said that. I was like, we're studying this passage, and uh, I was really convicted, and I just need to ask your forgiveness for how I, ha how I handled some of that stuff uh, with you. And... They were very gracious, and they were like, yeah, of course, like, you know, no, no problem, but, um, but it was real. I mean, they were like, also, thank you for calling, because, yeah, there was, there was really some stuff there, um, and so, so that was a blessing, and that's how the Spirit works, uh, and then we move on to verse 3, uh, where um, Paul calls his true companion, uh, TC, no, we don't know who it's, it's funny to me, like, who's true companion? I don't know. Um, but I'm laughing because I'm looking at Emily. I've been getting a lot of mileage out of this joke this week where I'm, in my mind it's like Paul saying, help these women, help these women. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think he meant it like that. Lord, please help these women, um, TC. 
But True Companion, nobody, nobody knows who True Companion is. Uh, a lot of people think it's Luke because if you kind of study Acts and see where Luke was at all these different timelines, like he was in Philippi for a really long time and uh, would have been there probably during this time. So they think it was Luke. But um, he calls uh, his True Companion to help these women agree in the Lord. And so what he's saying is, hey, we are a family. It's the stuff that we've been saying to y'all you know, every week is like, we are a family. We are a community. We are the body of Christ. We're not just learning how to grow in Christ on our own. We are learning how to grow in Christ and commune with him together. And so he's saying, look, when somebody's got an issue over here within the body, you don't, you don't hang out and just let them handle it. Like you engage, you move in and say, hey, uh, what's going on over here? Because this is kind of like all of our business in some way. Um, because, it, you know, and this is, I mean, if we ask Paul point blank, he would tell you like, this is affecting everyone. Like when you have beef like this within one relationship in this community, it's affecting everybody. And so we, you know, we, it's not this thing like in our culture where it's like, well, yeah, that's my business and uh, you can stay out of my business. Paul's like, no, 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 that's everybody's business because we can't grow together the way that Jesus intended if that stuff is going on. And so we, we got to step in and help each other. Um, and he says, I love what he says here. These are women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. That means they have toiled against opposition. And he's saying, look, these are, these are women, they're at odds with each other now, but they have labored side by side with me in the gospel. Um, against the real enemy. And so let's move into this disagreement. Let's move into these lives, reminding them who the real enemy is. This reminds me of like, you know, I'm nerding out today with Harry Potter and I'm about to hit you with Lord of the Rings, but Wormtongue and Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, he's this just evil force that gets in King Theoden's ear and he's just whispering lies to him and he's telling him that his friends are his enemies and, and it just... He's, he's stealing the life from him. And so he's wanting, King Theoden is now, because of this influence, is wanting to fight against his friends. And when Gandalf comes to save him from this evil influence, he wants to fight Gandalf because he's so turned around backwards. And so what Paul is saying here is like, you gotta be like Gandalf. Like he's not gonna unlock the door and let you in. Sometimes you gotta storm the door and you gotta push it open and say, hey, we're going to talk about this because this is killing you and it's killing us. Like we cannot follow Jesus in the way that he has called us to with this just allowed to fester and fester and fester. And so we got to get in. And when we're in that situation, we got to let people in. And then, and then he ends with uh, just this reminder, like your names are written in the book of life. Like if, if we have gotten off track, if we have lost sight of everything, this will bring us back. Your names, all of your names, the person who you don't like right now, you, me, everybody, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And this, what is this book of life? Uh, we're not gonna go deep into it right now, but it is this record that was created before the foundation of the world where God has written in every one of his sons and daughters. And we are, our names are in that book together and we are gonna be with each other for all eternity. We are not enemies, we are brother and sister. And Paul's saying, hey, remember that. Remember that the lamb, remember that Jesus, our king, 
who was the lion, who was the conquering king, became the lamb to lay his desires down to be slain so that you and I could have life, so that we could be written in this book. He came to lose his battle so that he could win the war. And Paul's saying, don't you see? Like going back up to the top, like pleading with these people, don't you see? Like losing is winning. Like losing is not losing because look at our Savior. Like he is making us just like him. That's what it is to be fully mature in Christ is to be just like him. And, you know, the top of uh, chapter two is this beautiful, you know, Paul's beautiful words about Jesus there of like, look at how he lived. He humbled himself to the point of death. He didn't count his own rights, things to be held onto above everything else. He, he loved us. So he laid his rights down. When we were, we were the ones with the sin, we were wrong. He was not wrong. We were enemies. But he didn't see us like that. He didn't act like that. He saw us as sons and daughters. And so he laid his life down and, and intentionally lost the battle so that he could win the war. So he could redeem all of these precious, beloved sons and daughters uh, to live life with forever. And so what does this mean for us as Midtown West? Okay, it means a couple of things. First, it means that we can be brothers and sisters um, respecting and loving one another and disagreeing on real issues. Like we have the ability to do that now. We, we can actually love and respect each other and disagree on things in a way that doesn't keep us from unity in Christ. We can't, we can't uh, agree to disagree on things that are essential to the gospel because that changes everything. Um, but there are gonna be things that we disagree with that are not essential to the gospel and we can still have deep unity and fellowship with each other because we have that power now in Christ. Our culture does not say that. <laughs> Our culture either bullies us into a shallow, uh, false unity um, around some issue or uh, it just splits more and more factions, more and more tribes, and says, uh, yeah, the, the problem is with everything is the problem is over there. Um, and I can't possibly have any, any fellowship with you if you disagree with me over any of these things. Um, and we're not stuck like that anymore. We're not enslaved to living like that anymore because we have the power of Christ that's transforming us. He's at work within us. Um, and he's at work increasingly making us able to think and live in, in accord with the mind of Christ. And we're increasingly able to lay down our rights for the sake of the gospel and our neighbor's good. And here's the cool thing. Um, we can be confident that there's always a resolution when we get in these situations because the gospel always trumps whatever's going on. And here's the second thing. Um, we're called to help each other agree in the Lord. We're called, this is a team sport. Um, we are called to speak into each other's lives. Um, there have been situations already in this body where bystanders have come and said, hey, how do I enter that well? And so, you know what, way to go. Because there's gonna be a whole lot of that. <laughs> this is just the beginning. There's gonna be a whole, whole lot of that. And we need to learn increasingly more how to walk in grace and truth and love and wisdom into the lives of our brothers and sisters when they're actively engaged in these issues and, uh, and helping them to agree in the Lord, whatever that looks like. And then the last thing is this, and uh, this is a really important one. If I'm at a place where I need this kind of exhortation from Paul to agree in the Lord with somebody, then I need to know that agreeing in the Lord is gonna hurt. 
It is going to be painful. But you know what? I'm not going to avoid pain. I'm going to feel pain either way. And, and this, Jesus is saying, choose this pain. It, your life is never going to be pain-free, so choose this pain. Because this is a pain that leads to resolution and reconciliation and life. Um, the other pain is a pain that leads to more and more disintegration and destruction and away from the very thing that God has called us to and made possible through the cross. And here's the thing, too. As we learn how to walk with Jesus in these things, as we learn how to say yes to that good pain, um, he is going to give us good gifts through that pain, not in spite of that pain. He's gonna, that, is, that is a primary greenhouse where he is teaching us and changing us to be more like him. And that is such a good, good gift. So uh, instead of gazing into the mirror of Erised that we have set up in our hearts, um, Jesus here is inviting us to follow him in losing our fights, in losing our battles, um, to experience the joy of winning the war. Father, Lord, we, uh, we just need your wisdom. We need your love. We need your, uh, we need your, your unity. And uh, Father, that is never a, uh, an excuse to uh, pretend like sin doesn't exist and to not deal with sin. That's not what you're talking about here. Um, but what it does mean is that there is a way uh, when I engage in any situation with any of my brothers and sisters, there is a way to love you and love them and pursue uh, agreement in the Lord that brings life. And we ask for that. And uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.